Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. Um, we are uh, moving through the Gospel of John. How many of you remember before Advent started that we were in the Gospel of John? Okay. How many of you remember there is a Gospel of John? Yeah, I know it's been a while. Okay. Glad you're here. If you need a Bible, you can put in your lap. There's some on the side to the tech booth. If you are a user of the Bible app, you can find that app and find our live event uh, on that app and then track along uh, with all this. And the reason we're working through the Gospel of John, and it's important to say this at this point just as a reminder, John writes in chapter 20, verse 31, and this is what he says. He says, I've written these things down for y'all so that you would believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and by believing have life in his name. He's not inviting us to a religion. He is not inviting us to a moment. He is not inviting us to a conference. He is not inviting us to anything. He is inviting us to a way of life. He is inviting us to life. That by believing, you would have life in his name. And that's what we're after today. Um, To get us going here, as we talk about Jesus and how he is true, um, I have a very brave volunteer, Gray. Come on up. This is Grayson Gartman, everybody. He's pretty awesome. Um, Gray, I'm going to get a piece of equipment for you. I'm pretty sure you're going to need it. That right there. Hang on to that, will you? And... uh, I think this is Frank's. This is Frank's, Keith. Perfect. Hold on to that too. Okay, so I uh, just want a little tour of um, the history of sweeteners. We start with this one from the '60s or '70s or whatever it came out, and whatever they were tripping on when they made this stuff. Anybody a big fan of the pink stuff? A couple of you are. We know who you are now. Okay, and we've got our eye. On you, and what I would like, Gray, is just for you to give this a shot and let me know how it is. You need me to hold that for you until we. Yeah, if you just want to. Cold, weirdly cold and sour. Cold and sour. Ironic, as it's a sweetener, right? I mean, that's that's irony. Somewhere along the way, um, we gave up on that and uh, picked this up. Anybody a fan of blue? It's better. Now, I mean, that that is a much relative term. Is that fair? Like better? Better than a root canal? I mean, you don't know what it's better than. Um, But Gray, here we go. Uh, I don't remember when this came along. I'll say the 80s, but I really don't know. I'm just making this up. How's that? Better. (laughs) Okay, but by what factor of better? It's not as sour. Okay, super. I gave you that water. You can take a sip if you need to, like, cleanse your palate or something. Somewhere along the way, and I think this is made from, like, some sugar something or other, some science, da 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 Anybody a fan of the yellow? Okay, this is, this is more, so, so great. We're going to, I'm counting on this to be better than that because, I mean, all these people were in support of you. Folks, he has shotgun three of them bad boys. Have you noticed this? <laughs> Amazing. Uh, it tastes sweet. It's the first one that's actually sweet. Okay, it's the first one that's actually sweet. And then thankfully, God gave us this. It's honest to goodness sugar, y'all. And um, this is Domino, not, um, not Imperial. So the people over on the southwest side of town, they'll be sad, but that's okay. They're on the southwest side of town. 
Just sugar. It's better. Okay. All right. So, great. Any other comment that you want to make on any of those? Nope. No. Okay. All right, everybody. Grayson Gartman, y'all. Um, the, the, the point of all of that is that as you saw by his face, there are things that claim to be really good and true and right. And guess what? I mean, that's, that's the reaction. I mean, today, as we launch kind of back into the Gospel of John, um, Jesus is going to claim some things uh, that are true about him. And so we, what we're focusing on is that Jesus, that Jesus is true. Jesus is true. He's the real deal, y'all. And, and because of that, uh, we're going to see what he says here. John chapter 10, we're going to start in verse, <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to start in verse 1. And really all I'm trying to do is just tour guide through this. Um, we'll take it in three big chunks here. Um, and Jesus starts with claiming that he is the true shepherd. John chapter 10, verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you. He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. So just in your mind, picture some sort of like fenced in um, area or facility. Um, it, it is, it's um, high enough that somebody would have to climb over. You're not just hopping a fence. Like you're really going to have to do this. And inside are the sheep. And um, there's one door, one place of access, one point of access. And whoever comes through that, they're, they're okay. Whoever jumps this, uh, you know, climbs up over the fence and stuff, they're a thief and a robber. Thieves and robbers regarding sheep, are they good guys or bad guys? They're bad guys and they're always bad guys. This is, this is how Jesus starts. Um, he, he doesn't enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way. That man is a thief and a robber. Jesus is saying, I'm the, I'm the true shepherd and I, I refuse to use sheep um, for my own gain. Now this is contra. This is um, op- the opposite of what happened in chapter 9. And this has been a while, so just lock in with me for just a second. In chapter 9, Jesus heals the man uh, who was born blind and the religious establishment just goes nuts. They have no framework for what is about to happen. They understand that they're about to lose power and influence because Jesus is doing things that nobody's ever saw before. So they're like up in arms and going crazy. They kick the blind man out who just got healed because he's like, look, man, I don't know everything about everything. I do know that I was blind when the day started. And today I'm looking at your ugly face. I don't know what I know, but I do know that. And then, so they, there is a group who would want to use the sheep for their own gain. Jesus refuses um, to do so. I'll just point you one place in the scriptures. I know this is in the, um, in the Bible app. But in Ezekiel chapter 34, Ezekiel's a prophet in the Old Testament. And this is what he says. Ezekiel 34, the first few verses here. The, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy. Prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy, say to them, even to the shepherds. Thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel, you've been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you don't feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And in force and harshness you ruled them. Using for their own ends. Jesus says, I'm not in that game, man. I'm not about that at all. I'm the true shepherd, and I refuse to use them 
uh, for their own, uh, for, for my own ends. Secondly, look at verse 2. But the one, he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. The true shepherd is going to think about the sheep and what they need, and the true shepherd as it says here, is able to enter in. He is recognized by the gatekeeper um, and the sheep. What does that mean? It means that um, when, when you think, oh gosh, I wonder if this is a move of God or not, maybe just ask or uh, look for those who are calm, the gatekeeper, look for those who are in awe, not the ones who have a hot take, not the ones who get all excited. Just, be, just see who's recognizing who here. See if there's someone who points to the true shepherd. Verse four, uh, at the end of verse 3 now. Uh, the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. He calls his own sheep by name. Out of all of the religious noise, out of all the hubbub, out of all the stuff, the shepherd steps in and is like, okay, kids, let's go. And his, the sheep go with him. But, but more than that, he doesn't just call them out. He calls them by name. Do you see how personal that is? See how connected that is. You see how uh, um, relational that is. And we have a history of this, even um, in the book so far. Uh, Jesus has uh, met um, Simon, uh, who we call Peter. And uh, in the encounter, he says to him, oh, Simon, you're my guy. But from now on, from now on, I'm going to call you Rocky, Cephas, Peter. He, he, he not only like called him by name, like he gave him a nickname. That's pretty tight. That's pretty close. At the end of the book, in John chapter 20, um, a lady named Mary goes to the garden, sees the stone removed. It's like, it just panics. Oh my goodness, what has happened? Where did he go? What is going on? How am I supposed to process this? What am I going to tell everybody? Turns to a guy that she thinks is the gardener. It's like, what'd you do with this? What did you do with him? Just tell me and I'll handle it from here. And Jesus, who is mistaken for the gardener, looks at her and what does he say to her? Do you remember Mary. And in calling her by name, she gets it. Calls out own sheep. He calls out his own sheep. And he does so by name. There's a guy riding to Damascus. He is quite literally on his high horse. And the story is that a light appears and it is so bright and so disorienting that he falls off. He gets knocked off of his high horse. And as he's laying there on the ground, out of the light speaks a voice. And the voice says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He calls them by name. It's very connected. It's very intimate. What that means for you and for me is that you, neither you nor I, we are not beyond locating. You may think that you're lost. You may actually be lost. Jesus knows. He knows where you are. He knows what's going on. He knows about the stuff in your life. He knows how you're feeling right now. He knows about the the frustration that may be yours in this moment. He he knows about all of these things. And he calls you by name. Lastly, verse 4. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow. They will flee for him for they don't know the voice of the stranger. He leads the sheep. He leads the sheep. And how does he do so? Some people think about a shepherd and they think about a shepherd with a staff and, uh, you know, the shepherd comes along, whack, 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 you know, beat some sheep and make sure. They get. That's how you deal with pigs. How you deal with sheep is much different. 
We were in Chefchaou in Morocco. Um, this is 20 years ago or so now. And uh, we had uh, gone that night and stayed um, there. And the, the morning we were out just kind of looking around the city and actually got up above the city on this little trail where we could see the whole um, little hamlet uh, that is Chefchaou in Morocco, a beautiful little place in the hill country. And um, um, we could pray. And so we were doing that. And along comes a guy. He did have a stick. That's true. Um, he, along comes a guy. And then I'm not, I mean, I grew up in a little small town in East Texas. And I'm not kidding. Not, not, not four sheep. I'm talking like 40 or 50 or 100 sheep. I don't know. There was just this amoeba mass of white wool just kind of following along uh, this guy. And he's just walking and doing his thing. And uh, he actually turns off the path and heads up the hill. And there were some sheep that went kind of further down the path. And there were, then there were some sheep who just stopped and be like, bro, that's a hill. I don't think I want to climb that, man. I don't, I don't think I'm down for that. And he just did this thing where he whistled. He didn't have a whistle like, beep, no, no, like he whistled. And the sheep, were, the sheep who had gone down this way, they're like, oh, 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 we're going this way. And the sheep who were just standing there looking at the hill were like, okay, this is where we're going. This is what we're doing. Sheep don't follow perfectly. Sheep don't follow without some questions or, boy, I'm really struggling to agree right now, but okay. But the sheep do follow. And he leads them how? By his voice. So we do this every so often. I'm going to do it again today. Where do we hear the voice of Jesus most clearly? We hear it in the scriptures. Some of you made resolutions to read your Bible. Some of you made resolutions to read your Bible through this year. Some of you... Pick the Bible up, whatever Bible it is, and read it. That's the one, okay? Whatever the the commitment is, you will hear his voice when you open the scripture. He leads them by his voice. Just as a personal question, what has he said to you recently? What, What has he said to you? What word has he spoken to you that would shape how you engage this coming year? Verse 6, the figure of speech Jesus used with them, uh, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but uh, they did not understand what he was saying to them. And so Jesus, being the master teacher, switches up, um, uses the same imagery, but switches up uh, the metaphor. If you think that chapter, uh, chapter 10, like 1 down to where we're going to stop, about 18 or so, is one long big parable, it can get really confusing because he's, he's like, well, I am the door. Well, I'm the good shepherd. And he, he, what he's doing is he's using all of these metaphors to try to drive home a point that he is the one who's true. So... The second part of this starts in verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door of the sheep. What does that mean? There's no other way to true life. What Jesus is offering, this is what he's offering. It's the real thing. Through and through, it is the real thing. There's no other way to true life. Uh, Again, you just picture that kind of sheep enclosure, the pen, whatever it may be. There's one door. That's it. It's why he would say later um, in in chapter 14, uh, one one of his uh, followers asked him, like, buddy, just show us the way. I mean, Lord, just give us the, show us the way and we'll be happy. Jesus says, "I, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. We've seen examples of people trying to get there. Um, Nicodemus was dependent upon, in chapter 3, he was dependent upon his pedigree. I was raised in the right way. Other people want to depend on their performance. 
I came, I, I came from the right line. Uh, oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm really, really good at keeping the rules. But those things don't help you ultimately because those things don't, aren't the reason that you get through the door. Some people, it's not that. Um, it is some religious rite or ritual. Hey, I've been this or I've done this. I, I've been this. Listen, Jesus says one more time. He is not inviting you to religion. He is not inviting you to an organization or a conference or anything like that. Jesus is inviting you to a life. And it is a life with him. No one comes to the Father but through me. He wants us to be in relationship with him. There's no other way to true life. Verse 8. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. There are people who show up. I don't know if you've noticed this or not. There are people who show up and maybe they're on TV or maybe they're on the radio or maybe they're somewhere else. But, but who want to use you so that they can profit, they can benefit, who, who want to put your spiritual kind of uh, um, uh, well-being, um, you, you put their spiritual well-being in their hands. And here's the thing, listen, posers and pretenders, they always make these promises and they do not keep them. They are not the way to true life. It doesn't matter how good they look. It doesn't matter how great they sound. It doesn't matter how their promises uh, so what happens here is that there were there were posers. Jesus is specifically thinking about um, some religious people in in his time. We have religious people in our time also. There are posers who promise freedom, but they, it only leads to war. Specifically, I'm thinking. I just read it this morning in X. Uh, John and Peter had gotten themselves into some mischief, had been brought before the council, and uh, they're getting ready to get beaten and uh, even killed. And and Gamaliel, one of the guys in the council, is like, hey, kids, let's hold up a second. Hold up just a minute. Instead of, like, here's the deal. Some people come on the scene and they pretend to be the Messiah or they pretend to be this or they pretend to be that. And what inevitably happens they go away. I mean, think about Thutis and think about this other guy. I mean, they had all these rationales and reasons. They're like, hey, just look look at this. You, you don't have to look very far to see that this is what happens. So let's just let God handle it. Otherwise, we may be on the other side of God. And I don't think we want to be there. That kind of morass, that kind of craziness and chaos there. People who make promises, this is the way it's going to be. But they don't offer true life. What they do offer is this. Look down at verse 10, this first little phrase. This, this person who's, who's a thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. They want to take from you and um, trample life. They want to uh, desecrate what's valuable and destroy. This is true of the enemy um, and it is true of those who align themselves with the enemy's agenda, physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, on and on. But look at verse 10. This thief, he comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came, Jesus is saying, I came that they may have life and may have it abundantly. Or some of your translations may say, to the full. Life is full of living. 
That, that's the kind of life that Jesus is inviting us to, a, a life that is full of living. It is more, much more than heaven when you die. Jesus is not inviting us to put our trust in him and then grit our teeth and hang on for the next 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 years, however long you may have, and just, hey, heaven's going to be great. Just hang in there till we get there. Just hang in there. Just hang in there. Why? Because we have a life to live that's right now. We have a life to live that, that matters and is consequential right now. And we have struggles in this life. We have problems in this life. We have challenges in this life. We have teenagers in this life. Yes. We have kids. We have aging parents. We have people who are um, socially um, uh, not quite as adept as we wish that they were. And we need help with all of that. We need help with all of it. And because that is the case, Jesus, when he says this life is a full kind of life, it is a, a life that is abundant, it is a life full of living. He's not saying, hey, you know what? A hundred years from now, it's going to be awesome. You just hang in there and just, just hold in until we get. He is saying there is a life today. There is a life right now that you can experience as full and abundant. There, weather gets chilly outside. One of the things that's fun, I mean, maybe you have this too. One of the things that's fun when the weather gets kind of cold outside is, I mean, uh, like a big bowl of hearty stew or chili. Anybody fun? I mean, like, is this good for anybody with me? I'm talking like you pick up the bowl and it weighs something. You know what I mean? Like you're like, yes, there's some chunky stuff. I'm not sure what all's in there, but yes. That's far different than broth. You pick up a bowl full of broth. I mean, there's some salt and maybe some other carbs in there. I mean, you could drink it and kind of warm yourself a little bit. But I mean, like, that is not the same as a big bowl of chili on a cold day. The, the life that is full of living is not broth. It's true life. The life that's full of living isn't better and better and better substitutes. It's the real thing. What, what does it look like? Verse 9. I am the door, Jesus says. If anyone enters by me, he'll be saved. He will go in and out and find pasture. He will go in. He will bring in. Jesus will call him in. And it'll be safe. There's a fenced-in enclosure and the, the shepherd is watching out. And there's only one way in and one way out. And, and the shepherd is making sure that all is okay. You come in and you are safe. And you go out to provision. You find provision. Green pasture is what he says. They go out and they find green pasture. If we come in by faith and we experience that safety and we go out and we experience provision. Church family, listen, no matter what 2024 holds, fear, if, that, if that's a reality for us who um, put our trust in Jesus as the true shepherd and experience his true kind of life, fear does not have to be the dominant emotion um, of our lives or the like um, crazy motivator for the things that we feel and do. 2024 is going to have plenty of opportunity to be fearful. We, the people of God, come in and are safe. We, the people of God, go out and find provision. Fear doesn't have to be dominant for anyone. 
who puts their trust in Jesus. That's part of the life that he offers, true life. Last thing. Verse 11, I just want to give you these four words to think about. We'll just walk right through it here. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Don't miss that. For the sheep. Jesus is the true sacrifice. And these these four words shake out. Number one, it's intentional on his part. This is not an accident. He is not um, a victim here. He's not some example that's like, "Eh, maybe we should uh, be a little bit more like this. No, no. He is giving his life for the sheep. He looks at your life and he looks at my life and says, this is what I want to do. I want to give my life for them. I'm going to step into the path of the judgment that they deserve. And I'm going to take the blow instead of them. I want this for them. He's giving his life for the sheep. Verse 12. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. He's not only intentional, he's also involved. The point of the contrast is, but I care for the sheep. I'm not running away. I'm not a hired hand. I'm not skipping town. I'm not moving on. When it gets hard or when somebody comes after you, I'm I'm, going to stand right here. That's what I'm going to do. I am involved. And by the way, just this is for free. That means that there's nothing in your life that scares him, by the way. I mean, nothing. You don't have anything in your life that frightens him. Verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. It is an intimate kind of knowing, an experiential kind of intimate knowing. Just like Jesus knows the Father and the Father knows Jesus. So Jesus looks at your life and in mine and says, yeah, I know what's going on. Yeah, I, I, I see what you're um, talking about here. I, I see what you're experiencing. I understand what you're feeling. I know what it's like. And I am, I am connected here. And I see what's happening. It's an intimate kind of sacrifice. He knows exactly what he's doing. Lastly, verse 16. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. And I must bring them in also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life and take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my father. It, it is an inclusive kind of thing. We talked about the exclusivity of the gospel. There's only one way to be made right with God. You're not going to pull it off on your own. You put your faith in Jesus, and he is the one who makes you right. This part, though, this part is saying, but listen, there's not a person in the room right now. There's not a person that we prayed for earlier. There is not a a group. There's not a situation. There's nothing beyond the grasp of God. There's nothing beyond his saving power. No person is too far gone. Nobody has too much baggage. Nobody has too much going on in their life. No person is too dark. The power of God can save anyone. That's important because we have people in our lives who are grade A sinners. There are people who walk through these doors who are spectacular in their rebellion. And the only hope for them just like the only hope for anybody else is that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for anyone and everyone who believes. Anyone and everyone. 
Nobody's taken his life from him. He's willingly giving it up. You want to know just how much he cares. You want to know just how much he loves you. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he was crucified, the reason he was sweating, the reason he was crying out, the reason he needed time to pray through what was coming is because he saw, he saw what was on the horizon. Oh, he knew he was going to experience victory, but the place between where he was and that was dark and deep, and he stared into that abyss and said, they are worth it. You want to know how much he loves you? That's how much. He knew what was coming, and he still chose to do it. That's what we remember when we come to communion. Right before he went to the garden, he had his followers in a room, and he circled them up and goes, Guys, this is bread, and it's broken for you. It's like my body is going to be broken. This is blood of the new covenant, not relating to God on the basis of things you can do, relating to God on the basis of things that I will do. This is what we come to communion to remember. Let's pray together, and then we'll um, celebrate. If you need to fold up your stuff or whatever you need to do to kind of settle in here, you go ahead. Uh, Father, as we, um, I, I think this is the prayer. Would you just make it fresh for us? Month in and month out, we do this because we want to be people who remember. Month in and month out. And so make it fresh for us today. Thank you for the gospel that brings us in. Thank you that we have safety there. We have provision there. Forgiveness there. Mercy is there. Thank you for all of that. Uh, as we celebrate, be honored. Stir us up in the ways that we need to be stirred. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.